0: Through the Keyhole is brought to you by Anytime Fitness Uptown Edition. That's right, Anytime Fitness 23rd and Walker in Oklahoma City. Guys, we're getting closer and closer and closer to the end of the year where we all make our New Year's resolutions of not drinking, not doing this, not doing that, or possibly reaching some new fitness goals. And I'm just going to assume that you're all beautiful already, but there's never anything wrong with some self-improvement here and there. And anytime Fitness Uptown, 23rd Street and Walker is the place to be just for that. It's my gym. I've been going there for two years, everybody, and I absolutely love it. It is just big enough and also small enough Therefore, not very intimidating. I've been to the gym for the first time about two or three times. (laughs) And it's never fun. It's always intimidating. You don't want to wait for your equipment. You want to get in. You want to get out. Get your workout in. Feel good about yourself. And then be on with the rest of your day. Anytime Fitness Uptown is perfect for that. The new owner, Garrett, will set you up. If you let him know you found out about the deal. On through the keyhole. They're doing a dollar membership sign up all through the month of October. The gym itself is going to be getting $40,000 in upgraded equipment over the next few months. I'm excited for that. It's needed some new equipment and Garrett, the new owner, is a wonderful person, very personable, always willing to help. And he's very understanding that the gym needs some new equipment here and there. And we're already getting it, so I'm excited for that. And hey, if you don't want to go to the gym, no problem. Just help us out here at Through the Keyhole. We would greatly appreciate that. And like Uptown Anytime Fitness on Instagram and Facebook, they have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. We would greatly appreciate you supporting them just by a simple click of a follow. But again, as somebody who at one point slowly realized that all the drinking in college and then all the drinking a little bit after college started to slowly catch up with him and then finally decided after a one-week Las Vegas trip stuck in the hotel covering NBA Summer League and only having enough money to eat pizza literally Monday through Friday, someone who went through that and then came back to Oklahoma fully realizing, yeah, I need to... (laughs) I need to get in some better shape here. Well, Anytime Fitness has been a huge help for me with that goal and with that journey, and I'm extremely thankful for it. Again, every time I go in, guys, I'm in there for 30 to 45 minutes just doing what I need to do, never have to wait for any equipment. And all the people that have gone there, because you basically see a lot of the same faces and people every other day. Just a great vibe. Ladies feel welcome and safe. Men feel welcome and safe. Everybody's just there to do their job and as well, always there to encourage when needed. Again, that's Uptown Anytime Fitness. And remember, everybody, there's an Anytime Fitness basically on every street corner in every town, every city. So if you don't live in Oklahoma City, you can always just go to Anytime Fitness on 23rd and Walker, Uptown. Talk to Garrett. Let him know you heard about this deal on Through the Keyhole. Sign up for the gym membership. Very affordable. And then you're free to use any of Anytime Fitness's facilities, wherever it's convenient for you. There are, I think, about six, seven, or eight, possibly, in the metro area. Moore, Oklahoma City, Mustang, Edmond. And hell, I was in Dallas a few weeks ago. Technically, I was in Crandall, and there was an Anytime Fitness in Seagaville and and Kaufman, and I use both of them each day. So it's very helpful if you travel a lot but want to stay active in any way, shape, or form. There's usually an Anytime Fitness around you. Again, if you're not down to join a gym, no worries. We still love you. But please, please, please find it in your heart to find Anytime Fitness Uptown on Facebook. I believe it's just Uptown Anytime Fitness Lite. And check out the page for new updates if you do change your mind, and as well as their Instagram page, for the same thing. We would greatly appreciate that Hear it Through the Keyhole. One more time, it's a dollar membership sign-up fee for the month of October. Garrett will help you out. Let him know you heard about it on Through the Keyhole or just from me, and we would all greatly appreciate that. And everybody, this is my first podcast since OU won on the road against Kansas State, 37-31. And we talk about that later in this podcast here and there, the road warrior and I. But Because Keegan won't be here on Tuesday to talk about it, I'll just put out some bullet point thoughts, essentially, that I felt watching the game and then, of course, re-watching the game a few days later. Uh, But again, we'll have the Tuesday pod still. Ryan Chapman, I mentioned him a few times in this podcast, but Ryan Chapman's going to be filling in for Keegan on Tuesday, so look forward to that. But if you didn't read the Monday post I put out, and it was a Monday post slash Sunday reaction because, like I said in the post... I forgot my laptop to go bartend at Vanessa House on Sunday, so I wasn't able to write it on Sunday. So I combined the two, so it's a little bit longer. But if you didn't want to read that, no worries. I feel a lot of the same things that a lot of people watching that game felt. I mean, the offense took a step forward at basically every unit. started with the offensive line. They were able to impose their will, open up holes for Kennedy Brooks, which opened up passing lanes for Spencer Rattler and the receivers. It opened up just the pocket to be clean. And the few times where there was pressure, it was typically one guy just moving his man into the pocket, which allowed Spencer Rattler to understand, I don't need to bail, I don't need to panic, I just simply need to move here or there, keep the play alive, or I can take off and then help. Spencer Rattler started sliding. So there was a lot of progress. The receivers, for the most part, ran their routes correctly and caught everything thrown their way. So considering what we had seen, going into the Texas game, you couldn't ask for a better performance out of this offense when you consider, well, one, Kansas State's defense is schemed to beat OU, so they're going to have their successes. But also just from generally what we've seen over their first four games, just far too inconsistent. Not a lot of explosive plays, if any. And hell, they had a few explosive plays last Saturday against Kansas State. So going into the Texas game, the offense, awesome. Hopefully they're able to do this for the first time this season and really build off of a good performance. And having said all that, it wasn't perfect. The interception was there. Miscommunication between Rattler and Mario Williams on a potential bomb. The offensive line, mainly Tyrese Robinson, my God, with the penalties, man. And at this point in his career, as much as he's played, that's a part of the equation. Unfortunately, now, Last year, I picked on Tyrese Robinson a lot for that same reason, but midway through the year, he was able to clean it up and turn the penalties way, way down, if not all the way down. So I hope that Tyrese takes to coaching this week and turns that off because clearly this this offensive line, not elite, but good enough to get the job done. But if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, it's all for the better. And then, of course, the defense. The defense was just very frustrating. Alex Grinch pissed off for reasons that we're all aware of, just the the frustratingness of not being able to get off the field, despite the fact that this defense is able to create turnovers, for the most part, create a lot of havoc. The defensive line did not have a good day. This is probably their worst game of the season, and it can absolutely not happen again this Saturday in the Cotton Bowl if they're able to walk out with a victory over the Longhorns. But it to me, it's just a little concerning that going into game 6, the most important game on the regular in the regular season. This is going to be what week 3 of a hell week practice for at least the defense. You know, Grinch wasn't happy after Tulane. He wasn't necessarily happy after Nebraska just because well from a schematic standpoint, they did exactly what they were supposed to do, but Nebraska just had success, you yeah. know. They were daring Adrian Martinez to beat them with his arm and he did exactly that. And Grinch wasn't happy about that, and he wasn't happy after Kansas State at all. And so five games into the season, there seems to be this thing where the defense needs to come to Jesus moment now for the third time. So hopefully it sticks this time, and hopefully they play as they practice in a positive way. Texas is very beatable. I- I'm not going to sit here and say doom and gloom shit and all that, uh, but Texas is very beatable. But at the same time, if OU plays, even like they did against Kansas State, Texas is going to have a very good shot at beating Oklahoma, and if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I'm going to basically have the idea of if I cross my own 35, I'm going for it no matter what. Until Oklahoma can prove that they can get off the field and force punts, then just go for it. I don't respect this defense at all in terms of getting off the field. What we saw on Saturday was just inexcusable, and if OU is going to truly rebound in terms of gaining the respect, not just from this fan base, but from the media. I mean, this team keeps winning, but they keep dropping in the polls. And it doesn't matter right now in early October, but it does speak to a lack of or a loss of reputation that they had carried from the offseason into the season. But if they're going to be able to really flip that switch, it has to start against Texas, and they have to look good doing it. Now, as much as I would love to see another 65-13, 63-14 type domination, I don't know how realistic that is, but there's nothing wrong with, I don't know, covering the spread. A 10-point victory, a 13-point victory, 14-point victory, just something that says Oklahoma won, won comfortably, and looked like the better team like they are, I think would speak volumes about the development and improvement of this team from a week-to-week basis, which is perfectly fine. It's still a lot. there's still a lot of football left to be played. They just need to seriously take advantage of this. And with the defense, please accept Alex Grinch's coaching and the offense. Please be able to build off of a performance because this team and the offense especially has not done that in a back-to-back basis. But that's enough about that. We'll, of course, get into some Kansas State reaction a little bit more with this podcast and on Tuesday following Lincoln Riley's press conference looking ahead to Texas. But now let's get to our friend the Road Warrior talking about his experience possibly the last time he and a lot of other OU fans go to Manhattan some random memories in Dallas ahead of the Texas game and then of course just general OU conversation like him and I typically have so hopefully you guys enjoy it so without further ado let's get to the show Still running. it's a quarter
1: CD I don't know what
0: it is, Oklahoma hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Through the Keyhole. We're back, and we're back with the Road Warrior Chronicles. Uh, last week, apologies to everybody um, that didn't get the extra podcast. Uh, uh, in the beginning, our schedules didn't link up quite well, but as the week wore on, just random stuff—random stuff popped up. Uh, You know, some of it for for the Patreon page. So, that I mean, that was good, but was just never able to find a good time uh, to hook up with the Road Warrior and talk about all things West Virginia. But at the end of the day, the the more I thought about it, it was probably good to take a week off uh, talking to you because, I mean, hey, four home games in a row, especially for a fan base that constantly has the proper complaint of we don't have a lot of home games because we have the built-in neutral site game against Texas coming up this Saturday – And playing in the Big 12, there just aren't a lot of sexy home games unless you play a fun non uh, out-of-conference game. Um, And that's, you know, every other two or three years. Uh, But still, four home games in a row, it really started to feel like, wow, this is – I mean, I don't know about you, but September was – it was slow. It dragged on. And I don't know, maybe it was that plus the way OU kind of performed in their first four games uh, before Kansas State that kind of just made me feel like, man – is it October yet? Like, are they going to go on the road at some point? Like, what's going on?
1: Yeah, it, it, it. it I don't want to be heard to be complaining about home games, but four in a row, it does get a bit old fairly yeah. quickly.
0: Yeah, it we was nice just,
1: to get. It was nice to get out of town.
0: Yeah, and you know we were just constantly waiting for. Hey, I mean Lincoln Riley keeps saying that they're close. Um, please show it, <laughs> and they eked by against West Virginia, but and hey, let's just get right into it. Oklahoma's 5 and0 uh, beat Kansas State 3731 um, on the road in Manhattan against Kansas State. and this is the first time that I've actually talked about it on the podcast because I wasn't on the postgame pod or on the postgame show on the franchise Saturday because I was at a wedding because some people feel like that it's okay to schedule weddings on Saturdays during football season, but you know it's, it's not all about us. it's not all about us. So my
1: stepdaughter uh, my stepdaughter had her wedding not only on Super Bowl Sunday, but during the game, that's even worse. Oh, oh man. Like they got a really good, they got a really good deal on the venue though.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I I guess if you're talking about efficiency and like financial, like fiscal responsibility, then you can get away with it. But man, (laughs) that is, that is a tough sell, especially (laughs) from, uh, from people from Oklahoma, just from a sports perspective crazy state but hey well and,
1: and having and having said that i got married during football season but i got married on an open date on september 22nd 2001
0: oh there you go uh did any or any of your friends or family osu or texas fans at all
1: uh well my wife went to osu but the the, the, the bad thing about that was is that that they canceled or they postponed the game the week before after 9 11. So I wasn't, I was deathly afraid that they were going to move that game against Tulsa to the open date, which was the date I was supposed to get married. And I might not be married.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, see,
1: that's, but they that, didn't, they, they moved it to later in the season. So,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, hey, these are, these are very important decisions, uh, football schedules. There's a reason why these things come out what months in advance. I, I think, I mean, I remember writing about it on the Patreon page when they re- released the schedule back in May or June, and just looking at it, going, "They played nine straight games until a bye week." So yeah, there's a reason why they release these things months, if not a year, in advance. Uh, our lives depend on it, quite, <laughs> quite literally. But yeah, and
1: that's and that's the one bye week is really annoying because I try to go to Vegas for bye weeks because that's the only time I get to go like bet college football. Yeah, and so we only have one, so I only get one trip. So.
0: No, I'll, be in, I'll oh, wow. be in Vegas for the somewhat bi-week of Kansas, flying back from L.A. Uh, I mean, going to a concert in L.A. The next day on Saturday, we're flying back, me and my buddy. And I looked at the flight schedules, and I saw this one route that took us from L.A. to Vegas. And then we have eight hours to hang out in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> and then we fly back to Oklahoma City around 9 or 10 o'clock. And I just thought, and we can spend the whole day in Vegas and watch college football, watch the OU game whenever they decide to play that, unless they put that game at, at night and just kind of enjoy ourselves and add this on to the trip. And, uh, I was like, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. That's so, not bad. That's not bad. Make a, make the Kansas game week just kind of interesting as much as it can. I'll be
1: sleeping in a parking lot across from Allen field house that weekend. So,
0: Oh, in the RV. Well, well, speaking of final trips to Kansas, how, how did you like, how did you appreciate, how did you enjoy your, f- probable final trip to manhattan kansas for what could be forever or just for the foreseeable future
1: it was it was good it was good uh enjoyed it that was the first road game we've taken the rv to and uh we trekked up there i think we finally got out of here about five o'clock friday night and that's not a bad it's not a bad drive we got in there about 10 30 and um parked in the rv lot across basically across the street and down about I don't know, a quarter of a mile from the stadium, um, and uh, that was pretty much it. When the back when the back got in bed, watched watched other football games, and then got up the next morning, put up the tent and the TVs, tailgated for a while, and then walked to the game, and it was good. Good.
0: Now, um, I was listening to the SI Sooners podcast with John Hoover, Josh Calway, and Ryan Chapman. Um, Ryan Chapman will be filling in for Keegan on the Tuesday pod, everybody, because Keegan is uh, away with his other job. So look forward to that with Ryan. But um, I've never been to—I mean, what is it called? Bill Snyder Family Memorial Stadium. Whatever Bill, they. Yeah. Bill,
1: well, he's not dead yet, so there's yeah. no memorial. It's just <laughs> Bill Snyder, Bill Snyder Family Stadium, and of course they still have their old stadium is still up there, and you can you can go by it. It's it's uh, pass by it on the way out of town. Yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very impressed with what Kansas state has done with their stadium. Cause when I first, the first game I went to there was in 1993 and, um, it was basically just a, a hole in the ground with some seats. There was no underneath to it. There was no upper deck. The press box was tiny. Uh, they had this little building in the end zone and, and it was kind of comical, really a big high school in Texas would have been embarrassed to have that as their stadium. But now, it's it's a real stadium. It's nice. I'm, I'm, they've done a really good job with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, when the stadium they play in now was that was that the same stadium during the two thousand game? Like, when did they switch over? Because I know they changed yes. the name, like after Bill Snyder retired. But I don't right. know if that's a no, completely the, different venue.
1: The original stadium was called Memorial Stadium, and it was built back in. I don't know when, a long time, a long time ago. I think they've been playing in this stadium since maybe the sixties or the early seventies, but I haven't, I haven't checked on that. Yeah. And I think they still play soccer in the other stadium.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, mainly I was just kind of concerned about the parking because the SI Sooners podcast made it seem like that the parking situation, at least for the media is like a complete uh, hellscape, but, it seemed like everything went according to plan for you, at least pregame, right?
1: Yeah, well, and I mean, it's not, I don't know about the media parking situation, but, you know, they built, that, they built that stadium. You know, it's not like our stadium where it got built in the middle of campus and there's no parking around it. You know, it's got two huge parking lots on on the east and west sides. And then north of the stadium is, I mean, basically there's nothing between there and Canada for the most part. And across the street north of the stadium is all just fields and stuff and a few little a few little uh, K-State buildings of the, you know, the Kansas Agricultural Survey and the Wheat Collective and things like that. So, yeah. but, I mean, there's tons of there's tons of parking um, across across the street from the stadium. And the, 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 div- the difficulty is getting if you don't get there really early, the traffic is horrible. Now, I, I experienced no traffic because I got there at 1030 the night before the game and left at eight o'clock the morning after. So,
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there could be worse things. There could always be worse things you could have gone to. I mean, what is the worst venue in the Big 12?
1: Uh, in what way? <laughs>
0: Uh, nothing to do with fan interaction, just in terms of the stadium sucks. This, the game atmosphere, game day atmosphere sucks. It's just kind of a forgettable place. Kansas. Yeah. I mean that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean the stadium is
1: okay at Kansas. It's, they haven't done a lot of, it's old. They haven't done a lot of updates to it. I mean, it's functional. Uh, you know, before, before they got the new stadium, I would have said Baylor. Baylor stadium was awful of course actually and West Virginia stadium is just a concrete you know it's like they went down to the stadium store and bought stadium you know it's just a concrete thing but <laughs> but the, the atmosphere there is really good so that 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 helps a lot
0: well there you go i mean well okay okay well how how is the atmosphere in the stadium during the Kansas State game because um heard about it on twitter heard about it during the broadcast but the uh, Kansas State fans let ou know that not only did they want to see their team beat the Sooners, but they also weren't very happy about the SEC move. Uh, Some choice music was played, some choice language was used. And I just want to know if you're okay, because we had to go through an entire week of vilifying a fan base that chanted for the backup quarterback because the team that they watch every week uh, did not play up to expectation for their first three games going into their fourth game. And I mean, oh my God, a portion of a fan base Wanted to see the backup quarterback and that that deserved an eight minute video from Joel Klatt uh, vilifying said fan base. So I'm looking forward to another week of shame on you, Kansas State, for saying the F word uh, to Spencer Rattler and shame on you, Kansas State, for saying the F word to OU. I just want to know if you're OK.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm well, I didn't even hear any of that. It was, I was in the upper deck, so it was it was beneath me. Literally, I couldn't hear it. Um, and, and Joel Klatt went to Colorado, so he's he's pretty good at his job calling games, but uh, I don't put much stock in him uh, for anything else because, you know, he went to Colorado.
0: <sighs> <laughs> I, I just, it's so, it's so, I, I just, I hate this whole, I hate this whole thing. If anyone can't tell, I, I hate when, I hate when fans become the bad guy. Uh, of course, like, if, fans directly involve themselves into the game i.e they run onto the field or run onto the court um, then that yeah. that's crossing the line if if things become very per- i mean even the the fu spencer out there that kind of crosses the line it becomes personal anything like that anything of course racial like that that's all over the line but booing chanting blah blah, blah signs like, just stop just stop like making that a deal, stop making that a big deal against the fan base, let them have their fun. And, uh, but it it never fails. (laughs) OU is held to a higher standard than a lot of other programs and schools. And so by virtue, their fan base is. So when their fan base does something, you know, tiny. And I mean that by, Hey, like a hundred or so fans chanted for Caleb Williams. And then we had an entire week of like, shame on you. And all of Kansas state stadium is chanting against OU, but no one gives a damn about Kansas state. No one gives a damn about their fans, except for them. So it's just like, oh yeah, it's water under the bridge. Well,
1: I mean, it is. It is a different thing when it's you're, you know, it's sort of a, something negative against your own, your own team. I mean, the K State people are expected to say, "F you, Spencer Rattler and OU and whatever else." I mean. That I saw even before we went into the game, I saw somebody with a sign that ended up on TV later and it had the SEC logo or had the big 12 logo and it had the greater than sign and had the SEC. And I was like, Oh, Oh, honey, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> just, just no. I know you're mad, but stop. Yeah,
0: No, <laughs> trust me. I, I have wanted to say that for a really long time. I've wanted OU to prove that no, the big 12 is just as good, if not better and OU has had their chances over the last handful of years to prove it on the field. And they've, they've won their battles against the SEC. They just unfortunately haven't won the war. Uh, But you know, when you are the one team trying to fight the war and you're not getting a lot of help from your conference to prop you up, to build you up and prepare you for the gauntlet that is the playoff when you play out of conference. I mean, it it does get a little tiresome, but you know, again, Brady, you
1: know, we all, we all signed the
0: contract. Yeah. We all signed the contract. I did. I did hear from. Uh, speaking of the SI Sooners podcast, did hear Bowlesby was in attendance, and they asked. Oh, the, really? Yeah, they <laughs> they asked the question if Bolsby's going to be at the Cotton Bowl next week, and I mean, how awkward is that going to be?
1: <laughs> I don't know. It's not my problem. Greg Sankey's my commissioner.
0: Yep. <laughs> It still feels very odd. It still feels very weird. And I mean, again, this is the first road experience, not just in an entire year, because last year, I mean, the road games were not really road games in terms of a hostile environment, full crowds, uh, but it's the first road game since all that news broke in the off season. And this is what's, this is what OU is going to experience. Uh, not necessarily on Saturday. It's going to be a weird kind of, Hey, <laughs> we're we're friends, but not once the game starts, and then we can kind of be friends afterwards because we're we, we're going to the same conference the next few years. But you know, road games to Baylor, road games to Stillwater, uh, road games to I mean, who else are who else are we going on the road? Like Kansas, I mean, Kansas, just, but that was, doesn't count. Yeah, They don't care. I mean, it's going to be a, and, it's going to be very volatile, and you can't.
1: I mean, you can't think that you know the fact that we're switching conferences is going to make things any more unpleasant in Stillwater than it would have already been i mean these are, these are the people who are waving baker mayfield's mugshots around a few years ago in the stands i mean I, i'm not too i'm not too concerned about there being anything extra up there those folks are always extra um, but uh, yeah i mean it'll be interesting in, Bay, in in waco i don't know if i mean we'll probably have to go back to Morgantown next year. That'll be interesting, but I'm not too, I'm not too worried about. It. I mean, the, the, the K state folks that I interacted with were all uh, very gracious. Uh, very nice. The guy who ran the parking there, you know, I mentioned to him, it was probably my last trip to Manhattan. He was like, why? It's like, cause we're not going to be in the same conference anymore. <laughs> There's not going to be yeah. any football games for me to come to up here. It was like, Oh yeah. And that was that was pretty much it.
0: <laughs> oh well, I mean, a weird ceasefire going into the Cotton Bowl, but I mean, I mean, going back to with Kansas State, I mean, in terms of just the game itself, um, I mean, all the offense certainly grew up a little bit. It started to mirror, in terms of the efficiency and just the methodical. Uh, nature Spencer Rattler displayed, uh, you know, very quick with his decision-making even being assertive and understanding of when to tuck and run and be smart with it. Like it it, Um, wasn't and slide, you know, that was, he, he slid twice. Uh, He, he picked up a first down and immediately slid because he knew like I get, I did what I needed to do. Now let's keep going. Um, That has unfortunately taken, you know, some time for him to understand. Now we'll see if he can build on that. That's kind of been the problem with this team overall is, one unit will look fine one game or one side of the ball will look good for a quarter or a half. And then the next week they don't, they, they take a step back. So uh, it's imperative for this offense to look what they did um, on Saturday against Kansas state and just really bring, get that confidence back and understand that, Hey, you can do this against anybody, especially Texas, like Texas's defense. I mean, I don't know what you feel about Kansas state's defense. I don't think that they're particularly good. I think that they're, a good tackling team when they got you unless you're Kennedy Brooks. Uh, but they don't have Khalid Duke in that game on the defensive line. That certainly hurt them. But outside of that, like they didn't really strike me as, Oh, this was a really good performance by the offense against a pretty good defense. If they had done that against West Virginia, I think I'd have a much different opinion just because West Virginia's defensive line is legit. Uh, right. But Texas's defense is really nothing to write home about it either. So the offense just needs to, Hey, stop screwing around. And let's build on some good performances uh, like they had against Kansas State. But on the other side of the ball, like how it was frustrating to watch on TV, man. But I can only imagine how frustrating it was to watch a defense that it's it's not getting shredded like Mike Stoops's defenses were there. It's not comical laugh out loud bad. But you knew about a quarter and a, half, a quarter into that game, Kansas State has no respect for this third down defense and they will go for it on every, at every turn. And they, they damned They were almost five of five on fourth down. And one of them was a fourth and long and
1: oh, two of them were, I think one of them was, one of them was fourth and more than 10 that they, that they converted. And then the one on the replay was also fourth and more than 10 and they, and they didn't convert after it was initially called on the field, but yeah. Um, I, it was, it was frustrating. Um, there were some bad words said, um, you know, I, I, I thought I had gotten past thinking, Oh, well it's, it's third and 15. We're, we're screwed. And then that, that feeling kind of came back the other day. Uh, and then even, of course, even, even when we got a third down stop, you know, they went for it on every fourth down, but one Yeah. the whole day. So
0: it, it's, it's odd. Like this defense doesn't seem to have a problem creating turnovers or even capitalizing off of the opponent, either throwing them the ball directly or dropping it, putting it on the ground. And unfortunately a few years ago, that was a problem for this defense. They could not capitalize on opponents gifts, Um, but they, they seem to be fine with turnovers outside of we we
1: dropped We dropped a couple of picks key Lawrence. One of, one of, one of which, one of which cost cost us a touchdown. So, But yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not like it was.
0: Mm -hmm. And outside of Saturday, like the defense in four games has been fairly consistent in terms of creating havoc plays, like getting to the quarterback, sacking the quarterback, speeding up a play, uh, because they just simply get right in the quarterback's face. But at the same time, like Tulane, Nebraska, to an extent, especially West Virginia and especially Kansas state like this, they're, there is a growing pattern. This team, this defense cannot get off the field. And it's frustrating just because we were sold and we all believed our ourselves. Hey, this defensive line has the chance to be truly special. And it's fairly apparent to me that the defense and Grinch's idea is create pressure with four guys. Sometimes you'll have to send five or six, but for the most part, these guys are good enough to get pressure with four and that will shield or mask the fact that the linebackers, they're not at championship cal- They're not a championship caliber linebacking core. Uh, the back end, especially without Woody Washington, eh, a little too inconsistent, maybe a little too inexperienced when you've got a, a true freshman, Billy Bowman, at nickelback uh, for playing the majority of the snaps. So if the defensive line doesn't get pressure, this defense is fairly beatable. And that's it's frustrating just considering what we all believe for an entire offseason.
1: Sure, sure. Well, and I mean, the, the, the biggest problem I, In my opinion, the biggest problem against Kansas State was was the linebackers. At times, I thought Mike Stoops was back and not playing linebackers like he did that one game against West Virginia, Uh, because I mean we weren't covering. You know, it's not like we didn't know Deuce Vaughn was going to be coming out of the backfield, (laughs) and they didn't. I mean, they didn't cover him, and when they did cover him, they took bad angles and they went. You know, he went around us, so. Uh, I'm 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 officially done with that guy and with the Thompson kid. I was glad he got to play and we got to beat him, but I'm I'm done with that dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, Skylar Thompson, and I know the numbers don't suggest this, but he's playing with Kansas State. He's playing with Kansas State athletes over his career. Um, it, it's night and day when he plays OU compared to when he plays everybody else. I get that, but Skylar Thompson is what I was told Sam Ellinger was for four years. If if Skylar Thompson plays for Texas, oh, <laughs> that is. That's potentially scary just because, I mean, Skyler couldn't move. That's another frustrating thing is no matter how average the offensive line was for Kansas state and Keegan spent all week and I'm not blaming Keegan for this. Cause he was right. Kansas state's offensive line is not good yet. They stonewalled Oklahoma's pass That's rush true. and even still, Skylar Thompson being a statue and being unable to run the ball. I mean, obviously that helped OU because he's hurt OU on the ground a lot with QB power game, but still not being able to get to him and still not even being able to put the fear of God in him because he's hobbled because he's hurt. It's just, I hope that that's a one game blemish for this defense, especially this defensive line, because if that continues, like if the defensive line can't get in Casey Thompson's face, uh, the, handful of times Texas decides to not give Bijan Robinson the football directly, um, then that's going to be potentially a long day on Saturday.
1: Well, it, it could be, I'm you know, Texas's offensive line is not nearly what Kansas state's offensive line is. I don't think, um, they were really impressive to me. And, And again, I don't know how much of that is our defensive line playing poorly or versus them playing well, but, but, uh, I mean, they didn't give up much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, they're going to have to get some pressure on Thompson and, and, uh, you know, the coach at Texas is not an, is not quite the level of idiot that the last coach was when, what did he get the ball four times against this last year, six times, they're going to feed him and we better, we better be ready for it. So,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to be the interesting thing with this matchup just because, I know what Tom Herman is, and the interesting thing was <laughs> not a good coach, clearly, but man, there is something to be said about Tom Herman's ability to raise a team's level when they're the underdog, and that's kind of why that didn't, that didn't work with him at Texas is because Texas is just never an underdog. They, they don't view themselves as, as such. OU technically is never an underdog um, because, you know, frankly, they're always favored, but there is there is something ingrained in Oklahoma's programs culture of being kind of an underdog of not being near the coast, not being surrounded by a bunch of great high school talent, uh, you know, using a lot of turning a lot of three stars into NFL draft picks. Like that doesn't happen at Texas. And with Tom, they
1: turn turn five stars into non NFL draft
0: picks. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's, or just very bad NFL players, like two or three of them played in, uh, for the Dolphins over the last decade. And it's very frustrating. But um, uh, with Herman, though, having said all that, going into the OU game where they were always the underdog, one of two or three games a year that they were going to be underdogs in, they always overperformed. Some of that Sam Ellinger, because Sam Ellinger, not a good quarterback, but a gamer.
1: But now, I think now, now Brady, for. For a quarterback – or for a fullback, he was a hell of a quarterback.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember somebody saying that he would be a better NFL quarterback than Jalen Hurts. I'm still waiting for that one.
1: Didn't Hurts throw for almost 400 yards yesterday? I mean, they got beat, but uh.
0: – Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he he looks like he belongs, which is something that a lot of people, and including myself um, – second half of his season at OU thought like, I don't like, I think he can make a team. I just don't know if he will belong when he gets onto the field. And he certainly looks like he belongs. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a far cry from when he, uh, b- from before when he transferred to Oklahoma. So I mean, good on Lincoln Riley for that development. But, um, anyway, like I, I knew what I was getting with to- the Tom Herman experience going into the Texas game. We're favored. We're the better team, but they're going to fight and it's going to be very annoying. And that's typically how those games went. I don't know what to expect with Steve Sarkisian. I know what to expect in terms of he's going to be prepared schematically, probably much better than Tom Herman. He's going to have more of a plan uh, to beat you. Will they be able to execute that? I don't know. Um, and what is the motivation level? What is the energy level uh, for this Texas team under Steve Sarkisian? That's, I mean, that's just something we're going to have to find out on Saturday.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it's always been, I always expect regardless of who the coach is, that we'll get the best version of whatever Texas team is put on the field. We'll get the best version of, of what they have, whether that's, I mean, whether that's a real thing or a mirage, it's going to show up in Dallas. So you just have to expect it. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see what Sarkeesian does uh, and how he handles being in that environment. I mean, he's coached in Alabama, Auburn and national championship games and all kinds of other things as assistant. So, you know, We'll, we'll We'll see, but uh, I don't I don't ever have any expectations of this game other than it's going to be annoying. it's going to be a hard game and uh, you know we could win we could lose.
0: Yeah, that's the frustrating thing. <laughs> I mean, Texas is four one um, but that's what makes it fun.
1: If you go in knowing that you're gonna kill somebody, that's not nearly as fun. Um, you know I, I enjoyed the heck out of that West Virginia game. Um I wasn't annoyed at all throughout that whole thing. It was a it was a hard fought, you know, defensive battle. Yeah, there were some things that our, our offense could have done better, but but it, I enjoyed the game. I enjoyed the heck out of the out of the uh uh the Kansas State game, although when when dude returned that kickoff at the end, it got really annoying. Um Yeah. <laughs> I can't I can't stand I can't stand onside kicks, but but on the other hand, you know, we want we want to review on an onside kick for early touching on the road at Kansas state. So, you know, when that happened, I was like, okay, this is uh, all going to work. This is all going to work out. It's all going to work out. Cause that never happened. That's the first time we've ever won a review on an onside kick. And
0: and we've had plenty of them over the years. Yes, we have. And I mean, God, that, that was, I, I, I get what the review team is doing. Like when they make the initial review, I understand that, I have no doubt that they saw the kicker touch it prior to going 10 yards, but they technically aren't reviewing that. So they had to go through the song and dance of yes, the ball traveled 10 yards and then was recovered. And so Lincoln Riley had to raise hell and say, He touched the ball. I want to review that. It was just interesting that there were two reviews on the same play. <laughs> well for you two know, completely the, different things, but
1: the review in Oregon. If you go back and read the articles about that, the review official knew that Oregon didn't recover the ball. But under the rules that were in effect at that time and what they were looking at, that wasn't something that he could review. So he didn't even tell them that Oregon didn't even recover the ball, um, which, again, of course, is leaving aside the fact that the that the replays clearly showed that that guy touched it before it went 10 yards. So I mean, you know, I I would say that it worked the way that it was supposed to. I've seen I've seen some people saying, oh, well, you're not supposed to be able to review it after it's already been reviewed. But there is one of those catch all things in that rule about, you know, if they become aware of something that's, you know, an, an an error that can be corrected by it, then they can go ahead and do it. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a rule that says, well, you can't you can't look at another element of the play that wasn't looked at before. Yeah. Um, but the, the kansas state people were they were very excited and then they were very mad <laughs> oh yeah and,
0: and i i understand it from i mean their their point of view as well because they prop they feel that same way and that's why if review can be cleaned up and it certainly needs to be cleaned up i mean that's a that's a situation where it can be where yes i know you are asked to review one particular thing on this play but just like you said like if there is something that's blatantly obvious okay yeah we're not so sub- we're not, we've not been asked to do this, to do this by the review booth, but we see this and it's pointless because we're going to go out there and say they recovered it first down Kansas state, and then have to go right back and then tell the fan base five minutes later. Nope. Sorry. He touched it before. OU gets the ball. If that happened against OU like that, you know, even though we'd all agree, like, yeah, Gabe Burkage touched it it would still be frustrating to watch in the moment or especially in the stadium of, yeah. So I get it from their perspective, that review just needs to be cleaned up and it just use your brains, use some logic here. Um, But for whatever reason, (laughs) they are so bound by the structure of the rule and it's just maddeningly stupid, but well, um, I'm
1: a, I'm a lawyer. I'm familiar with that kind of thing. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: We didn't, we didn't get any good replays of, of the double, I wouldn't really call it a double kick because he didn't kick it twice. He kicked it and then it bounced up and hit his foot again. But um, we didn't really get any really good replays in the stadium of that. So I knew I knew what was happening because I could hear it on the on the OU radio broadcast. But um, it wasn't really clear in the stadium from the pictures they were showing. Uh, you know how exactly that had happened, but
0: yeah. Oh well, oh, OU finally gets their way on a non-site kick, and hey, it was just last time they were in Manhattan, they had a. Uh, I mean, what was that called? Did Trajan Bridges just touch the ball prior to it going? He 10 was yards? blocked.
1: He was blocked into. Blocked the, in, he was blocked yeah. into the ball, and he touched the ball, and they said that was illegal touching. And and I think what, and it was Reggie Smith. I know the – hell, I know the referee's name. It was Reggie Smith. Um, and it was. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of, uh, "You can only." I don't know, some some restriction on what how they could re- review illegal touching or, I mean, bl- being blocked into it or it had to be called live and then they could review it. And if it wasn't called live, then they couldn't review it or something like that. I don't know. It was just it was just very annoying. And, of course, that's not why we lost that game. We lost that game because we got 25 points behind in the third quarter. Um, it would have been, you know, it would have been great to come back and send it into overtime. But, I mean, we deserve to lose that game at, you know, it was just something to be mad about at the end, yeah. but we had nobody to blame but ourselves for that whole debacle. So,
0: yeah, and I mean, I, I I remember feeling the same way. It's just like, I mean, it'd be great if they got the ball, but I mean, you're still, I can't remember how much time there was left, but I just remember it was
1: about a minute and minute ten, maybe more than enough do- time. Yeah, more yeah, than enough doable. time to go score. Yeah,
0: more than but doable. I, you know,
1: that game was a lot less annoying than than some of these other ones that I've seen though, because we got way behind and I was like, okay, well, we've blown this deal. And then you get excited when you come back, but it never got, it never really got annoying. It's only, it's not annoying to me when we get our butts kicked. It's, it's annoying when we do stupid things and give away games that we should win. I don't mind, I don't mind a, a good butt kick. And if you get, get your butt kicked fair and square, well, that's, you know, that happens.
0: Well, Oh, you got to avoid that. They were the ones doing the majority of the butt kicking, especially in the second half against Kansas State, and then the score got a little yeah. bit pretty I, for I Kansas State.
1: I didn't know what to do with myself being up seventeen points against the power five opponent in the second half.
0: Covering What's this, what is this? <laughs> yeah, almost what covering sorcery is this. <laughs> now, and, and that, of course, I I
1: said on Twitter at one point during the game. Well, it's like we came out. I was like, okay, we got to come out at halftime and go score a touchdown. And we did that. And I was like, okay, we get a we get a stop, they get the ball back. I'm like, well, we'll get a stop here. Maybe we won't have to sweat this one at the end. And we get a three and out and we get the ball and we go score a touchdown. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good about this deal. Hmm. And and didn't really get it didn't really get annoying until, you know, we have a stupid penalty and we we give up a kickoff return. And then all of a sudden they're onside kicking for a chance to go win the damn game. Then I was really annoyed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I never understand why it's it's never schematically drawn up or at least just told to the kicker. If you get if you get an unsportsmanlike conduct or something on a scoring play and you have to kick off 15 yards um, from the original spot, just kick the damn thing out of bounds and just avoid it, especially with that much time. Like the last thing you want is. A really good return man in Malik Knowles. I mean, he had returned a, a kick the week prior against Oklahoma State, so Oklahoma knew what they were doing in terms of the the personnel on the field. Just make it easy on yourself and piss them off, and just here we'll give you the ball at the, the thirty-five or wherever they put it after a kick kick out of bounds. Well, it was in that
1: in that case, it's not. This is everybody doesn't know this rule. It, the ball is does not go. I mean, you think everybody thinks it goes to the forty it doesn't go to the 40 it goes 25 yards past where you kicked it so normally you kick off from the 35 so if you kick it out of bounds it goes to the other 40 Well, if you kick off from the 20 it goes to your 45 which is what would have happened there but that still would have been preferable to what we ended up with because it would have you know it would have taken them some time to score from the 45 theoretically uh and they didn't have much time left to begin with so hell
0: I don't know if you listen to Alex Grinch's post-game press conference, but I'm sure Alex Grinch would have loved one more (laughs) series to watch his defense out there struggle because I've, I've never heard, I've never heard a more pissed off coach. And I watched it on YouTube. Alex Grinch looked like he looked like me when I was a teenager being punished by my parents, you know, just being talked down to by my parents and I'm like side-eyeing and like biting my like biting my lip and just answering like yes I know I screwed up but you're, you're just pissed off like admit, having to admit it out loud he was so angry <laughs> so yeah oh, I, one did more not, defensive I heard about
1: it I heard about it but I did not I did not see it or listen to it uh, usually uh, I, I I'll, well especially at a road game by the time you walk out of the stadium you lose the in-stadium radio feeds so you can't listen to it anyway uh, but even at home games I generally once I get out to the Towards the car, I shut it off and I'm done. I'm done with that game. I might listen to the might listen to the post game that they put out as a you know, they put out the post game show as a podcast. I might listen to that during the week. Uh, but they don't, you know, that that doesn't usually have anybody, any coaches but uh, but Riley on it. So
0: yeah. Yeah, it was uh it was a sight to behold. Um it's odd because there is a part of me that feels well, Grinch is like whole hold up is just we're coaching them. And a lot of these players are not listening or they're not taking to the coaching. And so there's a part of me that would otherwise say, well, the coach is not communicating to the players. Like there is a disconnect there. So that's on the coach. And I mean, I agree with that, but at the same time, I don't know if it's just because I want to like Alex Grinch so much so because of what he inherited and the guy that he replaced, Um, I don't know if it's just because I think Alex Grinch is just a smart X's and O's coach and a great motivator and a good coach in his own right. Uh, But I I don't feel that way. I kind of believe Alex Grinch when he's saying like, we just need to get these kids to like, believe us. Like we are trying to help you. We're trying to put you in the best position to succeed. We have a game plan. Just do your job. I mean, Grinch is, he's not one to BS. He's not one to I mean, Bill Beanboe, God love him. He will BS you because he bs us last year and this year about this offensive line. And it's taken them four or five games to look somewhat Oklahoma-ish. But all offseason, he's like, no, 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 they're great. They're great. These guys are good. These guys are good. Blah, 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 blah. And, and you go into the season thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then Tulane, Nebraska, and all that stuff happened. Uh, but Grinch is not that type of guy. So, I again, I don't know if it's just because I didn't like Mike Stoops so much that I want to like the next guy and it just happens to be out or if I just believe him and there is reason to believe him when he says something like that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, the impression I've gotten of him since he's been here is he's a pretty straight shooter. So, um, you know, I, I think if, it, if he's saying, and I did read that stuff, I didn't, I didn't see it or listen to it, but, uh, you know, if he's saying that, that, that basically that the guys aren't, aren't listening to him and they need to listen to him and do what they're telling them and they'll have success. Uh, you know, I tend to, I tend to take that at face value. There's no, he didn't throw any individual under the bus, but there's no reason for him to, there's no reason for him to say that if that's not what he sees going on, that doesn't do him any good.
0: Yeah. And people complain about the rotations and there there's merit to that because I can understand, I mean, anybody that's played sports, if you just put yourself in the scenario of you're going to play five or six plays and then you're going to go sit down and then you're going to come back out and you're going to go back to the bench like, yeah, it'd be very hard to find rhythm or find confidence because over a game, like you start to understand tendencies of your opponent. And it's hard to do that when you're only out there for a few plays. But sure. I, I have to under I have to believe that Grinch is doing that not necessarily just to get guys fresh or to keep guys fresh towards the end of the game. That's a part of it. But from what he's saying, it just seems like it's kind of like a punishment. Like you practice like shit. So you're I'm going to go play this freshman who isn't ready. Jordan Mukes, bless his heart. And then he's going to get beat over the top. And then I'm going to turn around and say, you want to know why he was out there? Because you suck this week and you suck out there right now. Like that has to be a part of it. And I don't know, like going into the Texas game week six, I don't know if I like the fact that this is basically going to be another, like a week, the third week this season already of like hell week for the defense. Like that, that doesn't seem like a good prospect going into your biggest Rivalry game and biggest regular season game?
1: Well, no, probably not. But, um, you know, they performed pretty well um, after Tulane. Uh, obviously, the the level of competition went down, but they performed pretty well after Tulane. I thought the defense played really well against Nebraska, and they definitely played really well against West Virginia. Uh, so, you know, a little kick in the tail may, may be what they need to get them back on track. I don't know. Like I said, we'll see. I mean, you shouldn't need any extra motivation to
0: play Texas. So, Yeah, I mean, there should be no motivation problems with this team in this game. Absolutely inexcusable if that'd be the case. But my last question to you, Mr. Road Warrior, sir. Favorite Texas road trip memory for the game? I mean, it could be before, it could be not necessarily like, oh, oh, you won and... 2003 65 13 that was awesome but just something that sticks out over the years like maybe the the night before or the the night of or whatever
1: well i mean i i mean the night before i uh it was 1992 i believe when they shut that was the last night of the the old school commerce street party that mm-hmm. was the year they shut it down and they shut it down because some local got murdered with a gun on commerce street, standing in the back of a car or something. I don't know what, what was going on, but, but I happened to be down there. Um, we were in the West end, I guess. And, uh, or well, no, we were on commerce street and then we're walking back to the West end after they, cause the cops came through and cleared everybody out uh, after that shooting and got jumped by a crew of, uh, I don't know exactly what or who they were. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know, but, um, they were following behind my friend and his wife and they said something about his wife instead of just, you know, continuing on, he decided to turn around and defend her honor and immediately was set upon by a bunch of people and they stole her shoes. And, and I got sucker punched from behind by some dude and I was 40 feet away. And, uh, you know, we get back to the West end and this girl wants to report that her, to the cops that her shoes got stolen while they're dealing with somebody who got stabbed. And I was like, you know, I'm not coming down here anymore. I mean, (laughs) not, not to, I'm not, I'm not, I have not been downtown since 1992 the night before the game. I don't, I don't go down. I don't go to the West end. I don't go anywhere. Mostly we go, we go eat at Papa does and hang out and hang out in the hotel and watch football. Um, But uh, yeah, that, and that's not really a great, story obviously that was that's like the most negative thing I've ever had happen <laughs> down there. Uh but it's it's a story. I mean my my parents have got some stories in the seven from the seventies of people you know tossing their furniture and their TVs out of their hotel rooms downtown and just super crazy stuff. Um that's, not, that's and then of course
0: that's rock star and then stuff.
1: A, yeah. And then of course, you know, after after all that and I got punched in the face and and all this other stuff. And then we go go out the next day and and uh I think that was one of the games where we. I think that might have been the game where Artie Lasher missed the field goal uh, at the end. Uh, it was one of the. It was one of those ones where we lost four years in a row, and they were all excruciating, uh, or either that, or it was the one where Bubba Jacks returned the. You know, Gary Gibbs tried to sit on a four-point lead for three quarters, and we end up losing because Mike McKinley fumbled the ball and Bubba uh, Jacks yeah. returned it. Um, I've talked about Bubba Jacks on this podcast before. I'll never forget that guy's <laughs> name. Nobody in, nobody in the world remembers Bubba Jacks but me. Uh, and that's the only thing he ever did at Texas. Unfortunately. Uh, was re- return that one fumble. But, um, but anyways, yeah, so that wasn't really the greatest. I mean, it was. it's a memory, um, and it sticks in my mind. It's not really a, a good memory. Um, you know, I, I also, another thing that sticks in my mind is the, the 84 game, um, which, of course, was the tie. Um, and there were no, you know, video screens or anything in the stadium. So we didn't know how badly we got screwed at the end of that game until later. Um, but you know, I was 15, um, and, and, you know, it was cold, it was wet. They were selling the, they were selling the, uh, uh the, the vendors were selling the garbage bags that the state fair provided them for trash for like five bucks a piece, uh, to use as rain slickers. Um. Um, And that was just, even though we didn't win, you know, that game is a legendary game in the series. And I I remember a lot about going to that game and and the experience of it. Uh, So that's, that's kind of neat. You know, I mean, I could, it's easy to say, well, you know, 60, 63 to 14 and 65 (laughs) to 13 and all of that stuff. Um, You know, I, the, the 80, what 82 game, the game where Marcus Dupree ran all over him, we were not favored. And then we went in and, and beat them 28 to 22 in a yeah. game that we weren't, we weren't supposed to be in. I have great memories of that game. I was just, uh, well, I was 13, sat in the upper deck, uh, 78 game. I was, I was nine or eight, nine. And we were sitting, we were sitting so low I couldn't see the field over the players. Um, and I, and the, the, the main thing I remember about that is that we got to chant. We're number one at the end of the game, which I thought was just the coolest thing ever. Um So there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things like that. Uh, I think this year's my 30, my 33rd OU Texas game in a row, 32nd or 33rd. I don't know. I've been, I've been going to all the OU Texas games for a few years longer than I've been going to all the games. So,
0: man, I, uh, I've only been to Dallas for, let's see, 2013, 2015, yikes, uh, 2016, 2019. So I'm two and two in my OU Texas trips <laughs> you've been to the Texas game four times <laughs> yeah I uh I didn't live in Oklahoma until oh well, that's true you were you were in Idaho and yeah you know,
1: overseas and places like that so okay that's that's fair.
0: That's yeah fair. um and every five years it's on my birthday so this year it's the day after so next year it'll be on my birthday so uh, we'll see. Hopefully next year is a good birthday, but hopefully this, this year is a good birthday hangover, but Kennedy Brooks, I, I found out today, his birthday is on my birthday as well. So hopefully Kennedy's got a big day ahead of him for Saturday. Cause OU is definitely going to need it. But um, I already said my last question, but I'll ask just one little tiny prediction. Do you think Spencer Rattler finally does it this year in terms of back to back solid to good to great performances? I, I think, they absolutely have to. They cannot afford another Spencer Rattler versus Nebraska versus Tulane. For the majority of that game performance. Otherwise, this, um, I don't. This this could go south.
1: Well, I mean, you know, last year his wake up was getting benched against Texas, and after that, he was a different guy. Um, you know, I, I think maybe this year his wake up was getting booed in Norman. Uh, you know, frankly, after, mostly after that happened. Uh, he's been a different quarterback. I mean, he he was, you know, the, the winning drive against West Virginia was was masterful. Uh, he was really good in that drive. Uh, and then against uh, against Kansas State, other than the one pass that got intercepted, which was, you know, it was basically an arm punt. It wasn't really that big of a deal. Uh, he was, I mean, he threw 25 balls and 23 of them got caught, 22 of them by our guys. Uh, you know, you, you can't hardly complain about that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he'll... Uh, I don't think he's going to regress. I think he's, he's hopefully gotten over that hump and we'll see a good performance from him on Saturday, but uh, uh, I'm sure that the boys in the ugly orange shirts will try to have something to say about that. So I always re- like to remind Texas people that it was an Oklahoma grad that picked that nasty color. So.
0: Ugh, yeah, I guess that's true. And now we're going to play uh, an Oklahoma native at quarterback for Texas. This is, uh, I think unprecedented. I know Texas has uh, had Oklahoma uh, players over the years, but I don't think a quarterback, unless I'm – No, we've,
1: we have had – they have had quarterbacks that have had, you know, at least siblings play sports, other sports at Oklahoma. Uh, Shame, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't recall uh, – I don't recall them ever having a, a quarterback from Oklahoma, and certainly not one that was an Oklahoma legacy. And not only—I mean, not only his dad, but his brother too. Uh, yeah, you know, people people forget his brother briefly played quarterback, and
0: uh, he threw an uh, arm punt interception his, against Oklahoma against, State. against
1: Oklahoma State. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah no, I,
1: I. And then it, what he transferred to Utah—that seems to be a popular destination for our transfers lately. He went to Utah. TJ Pledger went to Utah. Somebody else went
0: to Tommy Utah Grady. Maybe. Remember Tommy Grady? Oh, yeah. Was he the one who was too stupid to
1: keep from falling out of the back of a pickup truck? No, that was Brent Rawls. Okay. I knew it was one of the two of those yeah. guys.
0: And uh, Hunter, Hunter wall transferred. I just can't remember where he was. I, he was the guy who caught the fake field goal for a touchdown against Kansas state, 2001 in Norman. Hmm. He yeah, were number, number 14. Uh,
1: I vaguely remember that name. I remember the play, but I vaguely remember the name. Yeah. Uh, and that was that – was that, that 2001 game, that was that weird game where we, we got a – they snapped the ball through the end zone. We got a safety maybe. No, that was the, that was the game with the bombing um, outside the stadium. Uh, but that 2001 game was, the, was that weird game where we got ahead and then they are still throwing in the end zone at the end of the game. It was like 47 to 45. We took a safety. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Anyway, that's just random. Any, any <laughs> random view. stuff about games,
0: random stuff about games is a good way to end it. So, uh, thank you, Mr. Road warrior, sir. Always a pleasure. Always fun talking. What just happened. And then of course, random stuff from the past. Cause that's one of my favorite things about OU football is there's a lot of random things from the past. It's always interesting yeah, to bring that's up. True. That's true. But, uh, good luck to you on your trip to, uh, South of the border to Dallas, Texas. Hopefully there's no, uh, couches thrown out the windows. Hopefully there are no deaths of course. And, uh, a loss of shoes—we uh, can't be having that. <laughs> and, and, and of course, good, good fan conduct with no cursing at players or chanting for backup quarterbacks. We just can't have that in our in our sport. So oh,
1: they'll they'll be cursing and chanting. I'm sure. So. <laughs> it wouldn't. It would. I would be disappointed if there weren't.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe OU and Texas fans take this ceasefire thing a little bit too seriously, and like, do we do we hate each other this today? Do, especially, not
1: I, I don't, I don't hate Texas people. I don't hate Texas people at that game. They're the only, they're the only other fan base in the conference that can even, we can even come close to relating to Exactly. who've had some, some, and their success has not been anywhere near, near what ours has been, but they've at least won a national championship. They've won the conference a few times They're and, and they're perceived as being on, on our level. Um, and, and and I don't have a problem with that. I don't have an issue with Texas people. Uh, I usually have have good conversations with them down there. Uh, you know, just like with any other fan base, if you're not going around being an ass to people, people generally won't be an ass to you. And the ones who do, they're just assholes anyway. So, yep. you know,
0: <laughs> fair enough. That's
1: that's how I look at it.
0: <laughs> <sighs> Indeed. But until next time, sir, thank you so much. Uh, hopefully next time I talk to you, we're talking about a six and O team that had just beat in Texas and uh, putting their best foot forward. So uh, hopefully we get to talk about that.
1: All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Brady.
0: Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Through the Keyhole, uh, the Road Warrior Chronicles. Always fun to do these shows. And if, again, just a reminder, we're going to have Ryan Chapman on uh, tomorrow's pod, the Tuesday pod. Uh, Keegan's going to be away doing uh, some work for Bixby, so scouting them around for his other his other jobs. So, looking forward to talking to Ryan Chapman and Matt Burton on the Tuesday pod, looking ahead to Texas, looking back at Kansas State, and of course, counting how many times Lincoln Riley says that this team is close in his press conference on Tuesday. So until next time, everybody, Boomer Sooner, and we will talk to you later.